Let's go into the book of 1 Kings this morning. In the book of 1 Kings, I'm going to deal with this little subject on 1 Kings. Uh, uh, it's a, I could really preach it, but I'm going to just use it for a teaching. And I may just pick up and do more with it. We'll call it something like this. Uh, biblical history, uh, the kings. We've been t- touching on those on Wednesday nights. Now I'm backing up and leaving some and going ahead forward and outrunning some. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to get to this subject here. And I'm going to finish that study. We've been working on it. It's, it's, it's a tremendous, but we do this in, in a series. And this morning in Sunday school, I want to use two kings in particular that seem to be sometimes uh, misrepresented, I guess mixed up, and sometimes they don't get a hold of them right. The two kings I want to talk about today is Jeroboam and Rehoboam. One of them starts with a J, the other with an R. And if you don't get these fixed, and for many years, I had a problem with, you said Jeroboam, I always thought about, about Rehoboam, I guess, because I would get him mixed up with Rehoboam. Then when I think about Rehoboam, somebody talked about I'd get him mixed up with Jeroboam. Now, these are two different kings, and we want to look at them. Now, we'll go to the 12th chapter of the book of 1 Kings. And I want to show you this, but uh, we're going to just read a little bit, and then we're going to back up to the previous chapter. And uh, we're going to try to find out who these two kings are and why they are what they are. In the 12th chapter, it says, this is 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1, and Rehoboam starts with an R. Look at that now, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. Now, right off, it don't tell us who Rehoboam is. We're going to have to go back and find out. You're going to find out about him in just a moment. But if you're going to get to really find out quickly, go to verse 43, the last verse of chapter 11. And the Bible said, And Solomon slept, that means he died, with his fathers. A lot of people don't realize. We're, we're living in a time of spiritual ignorance. If you catch me sometimes, and, and, and it's because of what I'm, I'm busy with and dealing with across the country, sometimes I'll, I'll say things that's simple like that. And Solomon slept, that means he died. The reason I'm doing that is because there's so many people out there don't even know that. They overlook that. So you have to go into details with that. And so if it looks like I'm repeating myself, you're absolutely right. But I'm not repeating myself because I'm old and senile. It's because I want people to know what the Bible says and what it means. And so here we go in verse number 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem. Now in verse 43, we're going to find in Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father. And here it is. Rehoboam. Starts with the R. His son reigned in his stead. Now you know this. Rehoboam is the son of who? Solomon. Now he's the son of Solomon. 
Now, sometimes people get him to be confused. If you're not careful, you'll think it's Jeroboam. It's kind of similar in those days. But to find out about Jeroboam, let's go back up into verse 26 of, verse 11, of chapter 11. Now, we, we're going to be in chapter 12. I don't know how much we're going to get into this, but I want you to see this. We're going to use this Sunday school for a teaching class and learning something about the kings. And the Bible said in verse 26, now, this is not the kings of the earth. These are the kings of Israel and uh, the kings uh, of the Gentiles too as well. But in verse number 26, and it said, And Jeroboam, you're going to see he's a different son of somebody, the son of Nebat, an Ephrathite, a Zaretta, Solomon's servant. He's a son of one of Solomon's servants. And he's a, a Ephrathite. He, he was a Gentile. He was a different king whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman. Even he lifted up his hand against the king. And uh, so you, you'll find that Jeroboam is lifting up his hand against Solomon. You got that now? It's got fixed in your mind, hadn't it? Jeroboam is rising up against the king. And it's going to cause some problems. You're going to see what's happening. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. I'm going to tell you why he got upset and had a division between the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breaches of the city of David, his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. He was a man of war. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, means he is busy, he is engineering him. He knew what to do. He, he had some smarts and building and so forth. He made him a ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Now, we know the house of Joseph, and that's those Jewish people. And he said he made him a ruler over them. So Solomon picked him out as a ruler. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment. And they too were alone in the field. Now Jeroboam's got on a new garment. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in 12 pieces. Cut that garment he had into 12 pieces. That seems to be strange, don't it? But there's nothing strange in the Bible. Sometimes we just can't hardly understand all of it, but there's nothing strange there. So the prophet took that garment and cut it into 12 pieces. Now the 12 pieces are symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel. You remember that when the 12 comes up, you'll see it every time in the Old Testament. And he said to Jeroboam, take the 10 pieces, pick out your 10 of them, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. So the prophet is saying to him, I want you to take uh, the ten pieces and I'm going to give you, uh, you're going to pick ten of them and I'm going to give them tribes to you. 
putting you in charge. And I'm going to just give the other two to Solomon. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have forsaken me. Now here's what the prophet said. Because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways, is what God said, to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as David his father, as David did, or as did David his father. You see that? Okay. Now, how be it, I will not take the whole kingdom out of, this, uh, out of his hand, but I will make him prince uh, all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. Now, why did God, why is God going to take that and only cut it and give part of Jeroboam? And I'll show you what happened in just a minute. But you go to the 11th chapter in the earlier part of it and you'll find why. The Bible said in verse number 2 of chapter 11, Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods, Solomon clave unto these in love. And so he had in verse number 1, Love many strange women, the Bible said. That's what turned Solomon. That's what took Solomon out of charge. And so God didn't honor it. Verse 3, And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. He was, a, I guess, a woman's man, huh? But here he was. His mind and heart was away from God. He wasn't searching after God. Verse 4, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. And for Solomon went after Ashtaroth. That's what the gods that we saw over here he talked about. The goddess of the Zonians and Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went out went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and a Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burn incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So you see what happened? Solomon turned the whole thing. And this is how come that God divided the north and the, the northern and the southern kingdoms. And after Solomon, there was not any more king over Israel itself, but the, God divided it. It was a northern and a southern kingdom. You follow me? And so we're going back now to read in verse number 35. God said, this is, uh, But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it unto thee even ten tribes. Now that's how come 
uh, Jeroboam is in the play. And verse 36, And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light, uh, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. Now look at what happens, verse 38. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and walk, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that is right, uh, do that is right in the in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and will build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Now. Verse 40 tells us a story. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. You see that? That's why he was down in uh, another land. That's why he was gone away. He moved away to get out of the sight of Solomon. And Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Now you find why he's coming back. And he's coming back to be king. He's got that promise of this prophet. Now we don't know about the prophet, or you want to call him a prophet or God or what, but we'll look at that a little later. I'm going to study that out a little bit more, but I'm looking here. And Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel were come to Shechem to make him a king. Now who's Rehoboam? King is, he's, a, he's a son of Solomon. Now who is Jeroboam? He's a son of Nebat. All right. And it came to pass when Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, heard of it. For he was fled from the presence of King Solomon. And Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. You got that? Egypt's a type of the world. When God got the Israelites out of Egypt, He got them out of Egypt uh, to, to get Egypt out of them. I had an interesting conversation this week with a fellow, and, and he, he is talking about, I said, Egypt's a type of the world. You know that. And he said, well, that's what I've heard. I said, you can count on it. Egypt's type of the world. God never wants his people to live in Egypt. Egypt's a, a bad place for a child of God. And uh, I said, I'll just tell you this, just look. When Moses, he said, well, Moses come out of Egypt. I said, yes, sir, he sure did. But he couldn't be used to God as long as he was in Egypt either. And he said, well, Egypt, I mean, Moses had to leave Egypt because of the way he lived. Uh, it's amazing to me how people got the word of God all twisted. And uh, I said, that's right. I said, he come out of Egypt because God pulled him out of Egypt because he raised him up a man out of Egypt to deliver out the Israelites. I said, you remember Egypt is a type of the world, but then Moses was raised in the life of the world for 40 years. 
He didn't know nothing but the education of Egypt. He knew nothing but the deeds and the things that Egypt done. He had their lifestyle. He lived like an Egyptian. He was in Pharaoh's court. He was well known. He was educated well. I don't believe uh, Moses was an ignorant man. Amen. But he didn't know nothing about God either. God had to pull him out of there to show him who he was. And so I told this fellow, I said, just think about him for a minute. Moses come out of Egypt, and then where'd he go? He said, well, he ought to went on over and got to Israel. I said, no. The Bible said he went to the backside of the desert. And for 40 more years, God had to de-educate him. He had to get the wisdom of Egypt out of him. He had to get the gods of Egypt out of him. He had to get the world of Egypt out of him. He had to detrain him. Put him on the backside of the desert, just tending the sheep. That's all he was doing. And I said, it wasn't until finally, after God had done that, that he appeared to him in a burning bush. And he got around the presence of God and began to recognize there was a God in heaven. And then God sent him down there to get him, to pull those Israelites out of Egypt. But I said he had to train him for 40 years. Sometimes it takes a long time to train the people of God to get out of Egypt. Sometimes people get saved and they, they just keep on doing this and doing that. And they've got the world in them. The world's a hard thing to get away from. Especially when you're making a living in it every day. When you're raising your kids in it every day. When you're hearing the junk of it. When you're hearing the world's music every day. You're seeing the world's dress every day. You're hearing the world's philosophy every day. You're educated in the world uh, and the school systems and everything. And teaching you the ways of the world. Amen. It's hard to get people to see. Uh, I, I, th- I heard this this morning. made sense to me. A fellow said that he was driving out on a, a preacher. He said he's driving out on the road and he's going somewhere. And uh, said uh, he wanted to stop and get a little refreshment or something. He pulled in and everything was all, uh, had plenty of parking places, but they full. And he had three places there where you charged your batteries on your cars. And he said, told my wife, I just will move in here. We'll just use one of these places. Ain't many people using these things. Said he backed in there and there's a, he went and got him a bite to eat and is sitting there eating and said, this fella pulls in there and backs up in there and gets out and plugged his car up. And he said, hey, what are you doing? He said, plugging my car up. He said, I'm going to go get me something to eat. Things supposed to charge up in 20 minutes. We better be back on the road. Said I was coming down the interstate and said, Light come on, voice come on, said you need to get a charge and you can get it. It's, I think he said 7 Eleven or Starving Marvin or something. And uh, you can pull in there. And he said his car even told him where he could get a charge. And said, backed in there, plugged it up, went in. And he said, looked at it, and he said, you know what? He said, it's amazing to me that people keep figuring out where they need to get a charge at. They need to go to church to get a charge. 
He said, they got a Bible that tells them they need to go to church, get a charge. So here I am trying to charge up this morning. Amen. But anyhow, uh, what happened in here that Jeroboam and, and Rehoboam are fighting actually for the same job. And uh, so there they are. They're meeting in it. And uh, he'd come out of Egypt. And finally, God got Moses out of Egypt. Then sent Moses back to Egypt. This time with God on his side. And when he got him out. Did you know that when Egypt, when they come out of Egypt, God took every single one of them out of them? He took every one out of Egypt. Amen. Those that did not put the blood over, he let them die. Stay there. And I believe every one of them put the blood on because that's what the man of God told them. But did you know he it took him a long time to get Egypt out of them? Another 40 years to get Egypt out of them? You ever wonder why you have so much trouble with the world? You ever, why, you ever wonder why we can't just follow God? You can't follow God all the time. You know you can't. You've tried, hadn't you? Or at least I hope you have. I have. The world's got a pull like a magnet. And it draws us to it. It's got such a strong pull to it. And it takes us ages. The older you get, the more you stay in your Bible. Now, if you don't stay in your Bible, the older you get, you're going to get meaner. You wonder why some of the old people, instead of sweet, get mean. When I get old, when I do get old, I want to be sweet. That's right. I want to be sweet. Amen. Sometimes I catch myself going in the wrong direction. Get to acting like a lemon, not a persimmon. Amen. It's ripe. Persimmon puckers you up, but if you get a ripe one, they sweet. Amen. I'm looking at this and see it. So when God pulled them out, it took 40 years for them to get that out of them. Now let's look at verse number three. I'm not going to get far. And so I'll come back and try to go and keep going with this. The Bible said in verse 3 that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, when you find this Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, Jeroboam in one verse, it kind of gets a little bit, you know, you have to stop and think, don't you? So it says in verse 4, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now Jeroboam is speaking, I mean Rehoboam, Jeroboam is speaking to Rehoboam. And he said, Your father, Solomon, made our yoke grievous. He wasn't, he wasn't a fella, wasn't a fine boss to work for. Well, those wives had turned his heart away from God. That's his problem. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter and we will serve thee. Jeroboam said to Rehoboam, you just make it easy for us and we'll make it easy for you. That's basically what he's saying. You don't get so grievous on us, you lighten the burdens and the troubles and we'll serve you. They're trying to make an agreement, and we're not getting all the details of this, and I won't have time for it today, but I want you to get what's happening. 
And so in verse number 5, he said, And he said unto them, Depart, this is Jeroboam still speaking, for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. Now, Rehoboam was young. I don't know how young he was. I guess I'd go back and look up in probably Chronicles or somewhere and find exactly his age. But he reminds me of somebody's just come out of a seminary. Somebody's just come out of Bible college. He's been thrown into a job that he's not really qualified, if you will. Reminds me of a young preacher who just took off to preach. Reminds me of me when I just started off and didn't know anything about it, but thought I knowed everything. It's amazing how much a young preacher's been preaching three or four, five years, thinks he knows about the things of God. And he grows a little longer and finds out he don't know as much. But by the time he's been into it 20 years, he thinks, hey, I know quite a bit. And, you know, and he'll say and brag like I did, I about faced everything. 40 years ago, uh, will go by, 50 years, and to make a statement, I about seen it all. And all of a sudden, the devil jumps down off a limb somewhere and scares him to death. And he's seen something he's never seen before in the church or in the lives of an individual. We ain't seen it all. The devil's still in the business. He's in the business to keep lives uproared. Keep your life in a turmoil. The devil won't back off till you're called out of here. I'll assure you that. You can count on it. The devil will be on your case. So what happens is, Rehoboam's got something he's got to do. And the king Rehoboam consulted with the old men. I say he's going in the right direction. He consulted with the old men. I believe if somebody's going to have a uh, start off with the things of God, I think he should talk to those who've been there, tell you the truth. Old men. The old men are those who are supposed to know a few things about life, faced a few things about life, and could help you with that. Would you believe that? So I see Rehoboam is going to the right places. He's talking to some people uh, who are supposed to have some wisdom about them. And he said that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said, how do ye advise that I may answer this people? He said, tell me what to do. Show me what's best. Give me some advice. He's looking for the old men to give him some advice. He's going to the right place. But you know, sometimes we'll ask advice of somebody just because we want to see what they got to say. Sometimes our mind's already made up what we're going to do. You remember I read Wednesday night that Paul, he, when God put him out there, he'd been called to preach and so forth and be an apostle. He said he conferred not with flesh and blood. He didn't go talk to anybody. He didn't get any of the leaders. He didn't even go back to the apostles whom he had just become one of to get their advice. But he went into the Arabian desert and stayed there a while and he conferred with the Lord. 
Isn't it strange that sometimes you and I have decisions to make that what we'll do is try to find out what somebody else thinks about it? What would you think about the pastor? And it happens up and down our country, all across the land. I've done it in days past. I have a question, something comes up, and I'm what I need to do. And if you're not careful, you'll confide in another preacher or somebody. What should I do? What should I do? You do that when you don't know. But that's the wrong thing to do. You need to find out from God. He's the last one we consult. He's the last one we go to. We're seeing the very same thing in our community, in our country. Amen. Everybody, sir, I was at one of the places this week and a fellow sat across from me and he said to me, he says, I'm going to the doctor this morning. And I'm going to find out if I should take that booster. Was it fourth shot? Now they got four shots. He said, I'm going to ask him, should I take that fourth shot? And I said, what are you going to ask him that for? He said, because I think he'll know. I said, why well, he's in, he's in the uh, pharmaceuticals and all that stuff. He's going to tell you take it. More than likely, he'll tell you take it. He said, yeah, he told me to take the other three. I said, "What me? when you want to go to him? Best thing to do is pray about it. Ask God what you want to do, what he wants you to do. And that went over like a lead balloon. Yeah. Understand what I'm saying? And uh, so we're seeing things like that. Somebody will uh, maybe have to make a choice for a job. They'll talk to everybody. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What's it matter what I think? What does God think? Amen. In our church, we have to make decisions to do things sometimes, especially me as a pastor. What I do, I go down and see what Dr. Bottle Stopper wants us to do or thinks we should do. I get enough of that. I hear them say sometimes, Preacher, y'all having full services? I say, yeah, I've been having services for a long time now. I told one another day, and they said, you're going to close services? No, I ain't closing them down again unless I die out. Then y'all can carry it on or go home. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not asking what somebody else thinks. I want to follow God. I'm not trying to be smart alecky. I'm not trying to be uh, straightforward and, and trying to make a show. No, sir. Uh, I have one person to answer to this morning. That's God. And so I look at this. But Rehoboam, he said, what do you think to the old men? Well, he, uh, he heard what they said. But look at verse number 7. He said, I want to know what you think so I can advise the people and give an answer to them. In verse 7 he said, And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be my servants forever. There's giving him some good advice. You be a servant with them, work with them, and help them and be what you can for them in the right manner, and they'll be your servants from now on. You won't have to worry about them. But look at verse 8. I mean, he just heard the words. But in verse 8 said, But he forsook the counsel of the old men. Isn't that dangerous? If I'm going to seek counsel, 
I'll seek it from some wise men. Well, if I was going to seek counsel to find something to do at church, I don't do that. Amen. I've learned, uh, I used to do it. I did it when I did it when I was a lot younger. Now I try my best to follow God. But if I was going to make a decision here at this church and I needed some help and I couldn't trust God for everything and somehow couldn't look to Him for it for some reason whatsoever on my part, because God always wants me to seek Him. But do you think I'd go down to the seminary and get the young preacher that's been in there two or three, four or five years and he'd come out to be a preacher and, and sit him down and said, now tell me what I ought to do. Wouldn't that be silly? Yeah. Amen. Because then I, I put myself back at the place when I first started. Amen. I didn't know what to do. I made a lot of mistakes, still make a lot of mistakes, and I'll always make mistakes. I'm not one here that's free from all that. But I'm here to say, uh, if I want to get some advice, I'm going to go to the right. That's why I don't like counselors. Somebody said Christian counselors. Will somebody tell me where you can find an independent, fundamental King James Bible counselor that loves God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind, and has nothing on their mind but God? If you know one like that, give me their name when you leave. I might need them tomorrow. Amen? But most of you counselors, even at school... They got a one-sided mind. They got to do what the school says. They're not going to tell you what God says from His Bible. They don't want the Bible. But they're going to tell you what they think. And I get told what people think all the time. I can name four or five people, talk to them, and every one of them is going to get the same, a different answer on the same subject. Right? I want to know what this book says. So he didn't listen to it. I believe these old men give him the right advice. Amen. And then guess what? In verse number 8, But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. In other words, he'd been raised with them. He went and got his little buddies. Amen. When I was 30 years old, some of my buddies had basically the same idea as I did, even young buddy preachers. They didn't know nothing either. And we all thought, we, along with them, I thought I knowed, and they thought they knowed, and they thought they were telling me right. And a few times I've told them, and I thought I told them right. You understand what I'm saying? But here, Jeroboam, uh, or Rehoboam, excuse me, is trying to get, he's trying, he's going to be the king. Matter of fact, he's already the king. And the king's going to the subjects to find out. Amen. That's kind of like a preacher going to the con congregation, congregation and saying, what should I do next? Amen. You wouldn't want a pastor, pastor your church that came in and every time he had a problem, he looked at somebody in church and said, what do you think we ought to do? What do you think we ought to do? What do you think we should do? Amen. That shows a lack of authority and it also shows a lack of, of knowing what God can do. I mean, we've got to trust God with our heart. Depend on Him with all our heart and soul. Right? 
Amen. So we look at these things. You, can you see this stuff going on in our country? It's what goes on in our churches. And we have one boss, and that's God. We have one leader, and that's the Lord. And the Spirit of God drives the man of God who is just the overseer. I'm not the, I'm not the boss. I'm just the one that kind of directs the traffic. God tells me uh, when to tell you to go and stop and so forth. And it's up to you to listen to the, to the overseer. If you don't listen to the overseer, you'll be in a ditch down the road somewhere. And uh, the overseer, as long as you're trusting the overseer, if he's trusting God, you won't have a problem. It's when the overseer ain't looking to the Lord. You get in trouble. Rehoboam was much like that. He said, I don't want what the old men said. I know my buddies. They, my buddies ain't going to stir me wrong. Have you ever had any buddies that stirred you wrong? Have you ever had some friends you raised up with that told you uh, not to do certain things? And uh, hey, and then we'll forget. And I'm not trying to be mean with this. Of course, this is right opposite of this state, section here. When I was just a little young boy, 18 years old, just got married. Uh, they had the, over here in the apple orchard, the man that was over the apple orchard, uh, he was moving and retired. And my daddy had gotten me a job over the apple orchard. I'd get the house to live in. I uh, had a salary and vehicle to drive. And my daddy said, I got you a job. And I said, we're at. And he said, you're going to be over the apple orchard. You're going to move and, and told me the house. And I said, I don't want that job, daddy. He said, I've got you that job. That's a good job. I said, I'm, I went to work at Clarksville Mill. He said, that's on the inside. I said, yeah, but it's steady. Something's liable to happen to the apple orchard. What if somebody buys that apple orchard? I'm out the door. Daddy got upset with me. Now, he was older than me, of course. But sometimes I've been stirred wrong. I'm glad uh, that I went ahead and went to the mill because I ended up in a better condition down the road. They did sell the apple orchard. Y'all know where Midway Electric is over there now? Amen. It's all gone. All that apple orchard's gone now. There's uh, trees out there, but nobody's having any apples off of them anymore. You understand what I'm saying? And I feel I went the right direction. And sometimes we ask our friends, just because they're good friends, we got confidence. In We're not to have confidence in the flesh. I don't even like to listen to myself sometimes. I reason things with God. You ever do that? Maybe you don't, but I do. Lord, I tell you, this is in my best interest to do this. And the Lord said, uh, and he put some things... I said, Lord, why do you want to keep throwing these things in? And you try to find something to counteract what the Lord just said. We get in a, uh, in a conversation sometimes like Abraham Abraham did with God. Some people say, I don't do that. I do. Amen. All right. So what I'm trying to tell you is we get in trouble. I done went over my time. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the goodness of God. Help us, Lord, to understand what we taught today. That it might be for your will and honor. May your name be lifted today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.